0: Walk in bound up, but you can leave victorious by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody pray right now. No devil can hold you down. Amen. In the name of Jesus. No addiction can hold you down. In the name of Jesus. No affliction of your mind, your body, or your soul can hold you down. In the name of Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Through the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. Somebody lift up your voice hallelujah 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 oh let's give the lord a hand clap of praise in jesus wonderful name praise god praise god praise god amen it is so good to be in the house of the lord on this sunday afternoon is anybody thankful to be at church today praise god Amen. It's good to have all of our guests, our visitors, our friends with us in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to see the Coder family and the Anderson family here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. At this time, amen, we'd like to get ready to dismiss our Sunday school uh, students. But before we do that, amen. Well, it looks like the little one disappeared, but uh, we wanted to make an announcement to the church. Brother Troy's walking away from the drum cage, but... His wife's probably with the baby, um, but let me just bring Brother Troy over here. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Anybody like this guy? Okay, good. Anybody love this guy? Praise God. You got a unanimous 100%. Uh, Brother Troy and Sister Bettina, we've been praying and and, uh, feeling after it for really the last several years, and uh, they've been praying about it and feeling it as well. And uh, Brother Troy and Sister Bettina are taking over the youth group. This is our new youth pastor. And Sister Bettina is our youth pastor's wife. Let's give them a hand. We are expecting great things, so for all you mom and dads, if you have anybody you want to yell at, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, you, any questions, anything you need, Brother Troy and Sister Patino will help you out, amen, and and we're very thankful for them and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in Jesus' name, amen, we love you. God bless you, my brother, amen. (laughs) Praise God. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms and their teachers. Oh, I'm sorry, Fourth Sunday. Never mind, kids, stay where you are. We're going to be hanging out. Man, I've lost count of Sundays. Hey, man, I was out in my garden this week, and I was pulling up sagebrush. And I realized real quickly, I'm not from Nevada, and I am allergic to sagebrush. And so, somebody told me, you should have wore a mask. And my eyes started getting puffy, so I've already lost it on what week it is. Praise God. Looks like we're going to have a great time with the kids in the service as well. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 3. Mark chapter fourteen and verse number three. Praise God. Amen. And for all of those that are looking to go towards uh, Sparks Souls Harbor Church, Amen. If you have any questions on the address, you can ask Brother Google, uh, or you can talk to my wife and I. We'll get you in contact with Brother Google and we'll help you out. You know, it's funny. I I called my grandpa uh, trying to figure out you know something, and he was starting to give me directions. And, you know, they're just built different. He was a truck driver for many years, he meant several million miles. And so he's like, you know, you take a left on the 85 and then a right on this. If you see a, you know, black cat, you gone too far. And... I'm, I already had it in my Google, or in my Google Maps for <laughs> the last 10 minutes, but we recorded it because it was a great memory to have. Uh, but if you don't know what Google is, we will introduce you today. If not, we will give you specific instructions. Even we'll have Brother Barber tell you how to get there because he's a truck driver. He'll give you all those specific instructions, and you'll be blessed by that. But that will be tonight at 6 p.m., uh, 5.30 for prayer if you're able to be there. And they will be feeding us afterwards, so great time of unity in northern nevada with other churches and other like-minded believers and it's going to be a great time in jesus name even mark chapter 14 and verse number 3 i'm going to preach what i feel in my heart what i felt in my heart for a little while and uh, hopefully it can be a blessing to every individual here today the bible says and being in bethany in the house of simon the leper as he sat at meat there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. Amen. One uh, other part says it was Judas specifically. Amen. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you, you will, ye may do good to them. But me, you have not always. Man, notice this next part of the verse. She has done what she could. I don't think we give people enough credit for doing what they can. I think we often beat people up because they're not doing enough. We beat ourselves up because we're not doing enough. But Jesus honors her doing what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And I'm going to fulfill that scripture here today. And everywhere the gospels preach, we're going to preach about this woman as well. And she's doing what she can. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. There's no waste in worship. There's no waste in worship. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building? Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that we were able to come into this house and to give you praise God, I thank you, Lord, for every individual that did what they could to be into the house of the Lord today, God. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless them and honor them, God, for that. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that as we pour out and we break ourselves out before you, Lord, here today, God, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it to the furthering of your kingdom, God. Hallelujah. Bless our worship. Multiply our worship in this city and in this region in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Anybody feel like worship of the Lord? Anybody feel like giving God praise? Hallelujah! Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. There's no waste in worship. Last week I felt to preach about celebration, about praising God, about partying when you find what you've lost. Amen. This week. I feel to preach about worship. Amen. Worship is often misunderstood. Many equate praise as worship. But I want to help you understand there's a difference. Praise can be worship, but worship is not always praise. Amen. Worship is deeper than that. Worship is not just an activity. Praise is an action. Let me help somebody understand this for a moment when you praise god you cannot praise god in your mind you cannot praise god from just thinking about praising god in fact every time you see a word for praise in the old testament it is it is directly connected to an action hallelujah clap your hands all you people oh my goodness what's happening we're praising god right now Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. What's happening? We're praising God. Amen. He said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall because of my God. There's an action that comes along with praising God. Hallelujah. David danced so vehemently, uh, amen, that his own wife got embarrassed of him, uh, amen, and he started dancing wildly uh, to the point, amen, somebody said dance like David, dance. uh, As your pastor that believes in holiness, please don't dance like David, dance, uh, because he started dancing his clothes off, uh, amen. I want to tell you, praise is an action. And if you're going to be a praiser, you've got to be an active, uh, amen, participant. Uh, amen. When it said play those loud sounding cymbals, uh, somebody's got to have a drumstick in their hand uh, to play it. Uh, amen. When it says play it on the organ and, and some other things, uh, you got to have some hands uh, that the Lord has taught to do war and to do battle. Uh, amen. When we've got some string instruments played by the Johnsons up here, uh, amen, they're not doing it, uh, amen, just as a performance. But what's happening is they're worshiping him on the stringed instruments. It's an action. And we've got an active church that believes in worship. Amen. That believes in praising God. That believes in clapping their hands. That believes in dancing with all their might. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Praise is an action. You can't praise God from your mind. Amen. Some people want to act like, well, I'm a praiser, but they haven't moved in six years. I think we need to check for a pulse. Praise God. Amen. Let alone some praise. We need to have some praisers in the house of the Lord. But worship is deeper than praise because it goes beyond an action. It becomes an identity. We become known as worshipers. Amen. worship is not just what I do. Amen. It's not just an activity. But worship is who I am. Hey, amen. I think we got some worshipers in the house of the Lord. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 4, Amen, that the Father seeketh such to worship Him, those that worship in spirit, Amen, and in truth. Amen. In other words, it comes from what I preach about on Wednesday, my whole heart, but it also moves into my actions. Hallelujah. If it's true worship, it will start in my heart, and it will make its way out, amen, through my mortal body. Amen. I want to tell you, people that think they can worship God and praise God without moving, I want to tell you, it starts in the heart, but it makes its way out. You got to worship. You got to praise because God's looking for people that will worship him in their spirit and in actuality. God is looking. In fact, it's one of the few things God's looking for. Hallelujah. When God saved you and I, amen, some people think God saved them because they were good looking. I want to tell you. I mean, that's why he saved most of us, but the rest of us, amen, hallelujah. He saved us because he's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people that will, amen, activate their lifestyle, amen, that will take it from the heart. And we see this in, amen, a great display that worship goes beyond, amen, just clapping, shouting, dancing, amen, that it is much deeper than that. We find that in our text here today. There are three accounts of this story, Mark chapter 14, which is what we read, Matthew chapter 26, and John chapter 12, amen, in John chapter 12, Amen. It actually tells us the players in the story. It tells us that it was Mary that anointed the feet of Jesus. Amen. In John chapter 12, it lets us know that it was Judas that had a problem with it. Interestingly enough, Judas comes from the word the name Judah, and Judah means praise. Interesting that Judah, who meant praise, had a problem with worship. I don't, I don't quite understand all of the context of that, but I do think it's interesting. Amen. In our text, we find that Mary anoints Jesus' feet with oil Jesus Amen. you got to understand what just happened. Jesus just got done resurrecting her brother Lazarus from the dead. He's a dinner guest of Mary and of Martha and of Lazarus. Amen. I want you to notice what is happening. She just got done with one of the hardest seasons of her life. She just got through losing her brother, going to a funeral, burying her brother, wrapping him in grave clothes, amen, only to go through another emotional roller coaster as Jesus Stands and says remove all the stones uh, Lazarus come forth and all of a sudden her brother who was dead comes hopping out uh, amen comes letting him know uh, I was dead but now I'm alive I want to tell you if there's ever been something that ought to make a worshiper out of you and I it's everything God has ever done for us if there's anything that ought to make a worshiper out of you and I, it's those of us that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. It's those of us that have encountered resurrection power. It's those of us that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. If anybody ought to be a worshiper, it ought to be the church of the living God. I want to tell you, the charismatics should not worship the church. Amen. I want to tell you, the world and their gods should not worship the church. If there's anybody that ought to be a worshiper it's those of us uh, that God has performed the miraculous uh, time and time and time again uh, those of us that he's healed uh, ought to worship him uh, those of us that he's raised up uh, from lowly estate ought to worship him uh, those of us that he brought up out of a miry clay uh, and set us in a straight path uh, ought to give him worship are there any worshipers in the house of God here today? Are there any people that can testify? God's been good. God's been good. God's been good. You wonder why I dance the way I dance? God's been good. You wonder why I shout the way I shout? God's been good. You wonder why I live my life the way I live my life? God's been good. Somebody ought to clap your hands and shout to the Lord if you know he's been good. Amen. It brings this whole thing into a whole lot more context when you realize the players in the story. That it's Mary whose brother Lazarus was dead. Amen. Hallelujah. And now she's here. Amen. Notice how she didn't really do this before. We all know Mary is the one that worshiped and Martha the one that worked. Amen, but they weren't that way until they had gone through the hardest time of their life and God turned around for their good. Hallelujah. God doesn't waste any trials. God doesn't waste any trouble. God doesn't waste any tribulation in your life. Amen, every bit of it, amen, God utilizes to make you and to mold you and to shape you into the being that he wants you and I to be. The worshiper that he is creating us to be. And if it had not been for the difficult moments, if it had not been for the hard season, if it had not been for the time of loss, if it had not been for the tears, if it had not been for the bills you couldn't pay on time, if it had not been for your car breaking down, amen, every time you tried to get to church, I want to tell you, if it had not been for those difficult moments, amen, we may not be able to stand here today as Mary, the one that worshiped Jesus with ointment. And we may not be here today as Martha, the one that served Jesus in her house and was hospitable. I want to tell you, there's people in the house of God. You don't know where we were when God found us. Amen. So let us be what God called us to be now that he has. Praise God. Amen. Everything about what Mary's doing is utterly extravagant. I want you to think about this. She uses a pound of oil. Amen. This ain't very much. This is definitely not a pound of oil. Amen. This is just a couple ounces. A pound of oil—you don't even fry your chicken in a pound of oil. Praise God. Worth nearly, if we're going to—if we're going to calculate it, we already did the calculations. Amen. About a couple weeks ago, what three hundred pence is? That's about a quarter year's wages for the average worker. If we insist on putting a numerical value on what she is depositing into Jesus, because there's some people, they want to know how much it costs. Praise God. There is no functional reasoning for this anointing of Jesus. Jesus has no need of it, nor does any part of him. He's doing just fine without it. Mary then wipes his feet dry with her hair, which means now her hair is oily, reeking of perfume. In fact, the entire house is now permeated with the smell of this oil, amen, from a woman that should probably have never done this. It's extravagant. It's excessive. Why is she doing it? Mary even risked her own good image because in those days you don't just go up to a man, let alone a holy man or a rabbi, and just start putting your hair on his feet. That's not something that you would do even in our day today, let alone in that day then. What kind of purpose could this gesture have served? Now, we can look at it and say, well, maybe this is a foreshadowing of Jesus washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Maybe, amen, this is strictly just to show, amen, the anointing of the body of Jesus, as he would say, amen, after his crucifixion. Uh, maybe this is just one of those things that uh, we, we're not supposed to understand and, and we're just going to accept it. Maybe it's the fact that the smell of spikenard, uh, amen, was there uh, and, and it's supposed to and, and it's supposed to bring about some imagery uh, of how our worships to go up before God. Uh, I don't exactly know, uh, amen, why it was put in the word of God, uh, amen. what I do know uh, is that this spikenard, uh, was so important uh, this spikenard was so potent uh, it was so expensive uh, it was so extravagant uh, and there was only one person uh, amen that Mary could think to pour it upon uh, she could have sold it uh, she could have paid off some debts uh, she probably could have used it as a dowry to get married cuz we don't see her dad anywhere around uh, this was her future this was her hope we don't know exactly what it meant to Mary uh, all we know is she knew exactly uh, what to do uh, with what was so valuable, and what was so expensive, and what was so costly. She knew where, where it was supposed to go. I have no idea what exact purpose it could have served, except for maybe this. There was really no purpose at all. And Judas is the one who stops this beautiful moment. In fact, Matthew's account in the ESV actually says, why are you troubling her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. It is Judas that ruptures this beautiful moment with his cynicism and his false self-righteousness. He says, oh my goodness, why was this waste of the ointment made? It could have been sold for a quarter year's wages and given to the poor. It is his voice that rings familiar to all of us today. The voice that rings down through the millennia, mocking our own day for spending so much time in prayer when we could be out doing X, Y, or Z. It's that sly voice that still enters our thoughts. Amen. When we're taking moments to be with the people that God put in our lives. Amen. The people that we love. Rather than toiling it away at a thankless job when we could be earning a little extra money. When you could be at your job on Sunday you came to church and there's that old voice that says you know you could be working extra and paying off debts. You could be working extra and putting a little more away for retirement. The voice Voice that still fusses every time the church does anything excellent or strives to transcend in their worship. The voice that argues that we could worship in a much plainer setting and spend our time, our energy, and our money a lot differently. This accusing voice haunts us every time we have grand visions of doing something for God and says it's not that big of a deal. Why would you waste your energy? Why would you waste your time? Why would you waste your money just go do something else uh, with all that you have this is judas's downfall judas's demise is that he did not understand worship and i fear that there's people here today that maybe don't understand worship and this is why amen it's so easy to allocate the things that god has blessed you with amen to other things and not realizing that the most valuable thing you could ever do amen is bring your worship to god hallelujah hallelujah judas did not understand worship judas was the one that held the bag he's the one he was the accountant he had the money everywhere he went he was the one that they they they, he understood and identified the price of the oil but he could not see the value of the moment He saw the price of Mary's oil, but he could not see the value of Mary's worship. Let us never get so caught up in the cost or in the price that we forget the value of what we're doing. That we forget the value of the moments we have in God. That we forget the... I don't ever want to think to myself, amen, it's just a little excessive. It's a little much going to church on Sunday and on Wednesday. Got to get up in the morning. I don't ever want to see the cost and say that's a big cost, but never look at my God and say that's a big God. I want to look at heaven and say, Lord, I want to cry out and say you're worth every penny. You're worth every hour. You're worth every minute. You're worth all my energy you're worth my youth you're worth my middle age and you're worth my elder age you're worth every bit oh somebody give Lord a hearty hand clap of praise come on the cry is still heard today what a, what a waste what a waste what a waste what a waste the devil has been speaking to some people this week what a waste what a waste what a waste, what a waste. You're throwing it away. Young man, the devil's been speaking to you. You're wasting your youth in the church. What a waste. What a waste. Young lady, the devil has been wasting saying you're wasting your time. You could go find yourself a boyfriend in the world. You're wasting your time in that church. You need to go out and do X, Y, and Z and live a little. Sow your wild oats. There's some people in the house of God. Amen. That the devil's tricked you and convinced you. Amen. That coming to church is a waste of your time. That coming to the house of the Lord is a waste of your time. That being in prayer is a waste of your time. I want to tell you, you might see the cost, but today before it's all said and done, I hope you see the value, not the cost. I hope you see why it's worth it. Because God's called us to be worshipers, and worship is not cost based. Worship is value driven. It's Because there's time uh, where gas is $5 a gallon, uh, but it's worth it when you get to the house of the Lord uh, and the Spirit of God moves on you. Uh, The world would tell you, conserve, conserve, conserve. Uh, Reuse, reuse, recycle. But God says, give it to me. Break it open. Pour it out. Give me all. It's valuable. What a waste. What a waste. What a waste. Judas saw waste. But Jesus saw worship. Because with God, there is no waste in worship. To God, He even mandated in the Old Testament when you talk about the Passover lamb and all of the sacrifices in Exodus 12 and 10, the leftovers from the Passover were not to be thrown in the trash. Amen. The leftovers were meant to be eaten. And if they were not eaten, they were thrown in the fire as a burnt offering to the Lord. In other words, whatever you couldn't ingest in the moment, you had to burn it and say this belongs to God in its entirety. This belongs to God completely. Every sacrifice that you made, you took every part of it. There was no waste. There was no, come on, there was no waste in this in the tabernacle. Every bit of it was burned to ashes. And somebody would say, you know, you could have sold that amen to the grocery store. And they could have repurposed that you could have given that away to somebody else in need you shouldn't have burned it like that you shouldn't have charred it like that somebody could have ate that for the next several weeks but the priests never saw it as a waste they said this belongs to the lord in its entirety and this is holy to the lord hallelujah i think we ought to lift up our hands and give the lord some praise Come on, let's worship the Lord for a moment. Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Come on, did you know every part of you belongs to God? Every part of you belongs to God. Every part of you belongs to God. Amen, if it has to be burned. Amen, as a burnt offering, it belongs to God. Amen, it won't be wasted. It won't be wasted. Hallelujah, it won't be stored. This is interesting enough, but this is why in the Bible it declares this phrase. The fat belongs to the Lord. Praise God. That means I'm more of God's. But I've always thought about that. Why did God say out of everything, amen, that you could have, you can take this, you can eat that, you can burn this, you can burn that, but when it comes to the fat, you don't touch that. That belongs to me. The parts that you and I would throw away, discard, and say are not important and not valuable. God looks down and says, that's mine. Amen. Because it was the fat amen that determined whether or not Amen, the cattle could live in a time of famine. Amen. I want to help you here today. It's not just something we carry around and hope to get rid of at the gym. Amen. But I want to tell you what it is. It's the fact that if we went without food, amen, we had potential of survival. We were guaranteed hope and a future. Hallelujah. And God looked down from heaven and said, the future belongs to me. All the potential belongs to me. All the fat belongs to me well brother you could use that uh, for so many other things Uh, you could move that here move that there you could use your future here use your future there and God says give that to me uh, that belongs to me in its entirety oh I praise the Lord come on lift up to my hands I feel him I feel him moving here today I feel him moving here today he didn't want that fat wasted. He didn't want that sacrifice wasted. He didn't want that worship wasted. Every bit of it belonged to God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Another translation puts it this way. Amen. That you would be sure that nothing you do for him is ever lost or ever wasted. Amen. I want to help somebody here today. Be sure, be certain, be convinced in your mind and in your heart that nothing you and I do for Jesus is ever lost or ever wasted. God uses every bit of it, every bit of our hope, every bit of our potential. Can I preach to you about a few things God never wastes? Uh, Psalms 56 and 8 says that he collects our tears uh, in a vial. Uh, Psalms 126 and 5 says those that sow in tears, uh, tears that fall on the harvest, uh, you think they're gone, Uh, you think you lost them, uh, but the Bible says they'll doubtless come again, uh, rejoicing, uh, bringing in the sheaves, uh, because with God uh, no tears uh, are wasted in Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21 Jesus looks down on the tabernacle and he sees people giving and there's a little widow that just has a mite that's not worth a whole lot but she throws it in the offering. She gave what she had left. It wasn't a lot to everybody else. They would look down on her and even the disciples said all of these men gave more than that little widow woman but Jesus said all those gave of their ex but that widow woman gave of her living she gave of her very soul she, and he said I noticed it I watched it and it was not wasted I looked down from heaven I want to help you here today everything you give to God is not wasted it's watched everything you do for Jesus is not wasted it's seen it's watched it's observed oh somebody ought to give him praise John chapter 6, John chapter 5 and 6, amen, tells us of a little boy, amen, of 5,000 that come without anything to eat. And the Bible declares, Jesus said to Philip and Andrew, let's find something to feed them with. And there's nothing to feed them with. There's not enough money to buy food, and there's no grocery store. There's no Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, or Costco. Praise God. Ain't nothing around. There's no buy in bulk, save food smart and all that. We can't have none of that. We're in the middle of nowhere, and yet Andrew goes out and looks for something. It may not be much. It may not seem like a whole lot, amen, but he looks, and I have no doubt out of 5,000, there had to be more than one little boy that packed a lunch. There had to be more, uh, amen, than one smart mother uh, that packed their kid a lunch. I guarantee there was a lot of people uh, that had a little bit of bread, uh, that had a little bit, uh, but they instead said, We're going to hold it back. Uh, We're going to reserve it. Uh, We're going to live with a scarcity mindset uh, that says, uh, If I don't eat this, I starve. Uh, But there was a little boy uh, that said, Lord, it's not much, uh, but here's my lunch. Hallelujah. Can I preach to somebody? It didn't seem like much to Andrew. It didn't seem much to the little boy. It certainly didn't seem like much to 5,000. But with Jesus, worship is not wasted. He took that little boy's worship. It didn't seem like a clap. It wasn't a shout. It was a lifestyle that said, Lord, I'm giving you my lunch, and you're the best place to put it. You don't get four loaves. You don't get one fish. You get all five. You get all the fish you can have my lunchable too you can have my Capri Sun and he laid it before the Lord and God multiplied it and God multiplied it can I preach to somebody you might feel like your worship is insignificant that the way you live is insignificant but can I preach to somebody he's watching your worship he's going to multiply your worship and if you bring it to Jesus it will not be wasted Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands. Let's stand across the building and lift up our voice. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Come on, let's praise the Lord for just a moment. Worship is not wasteful. There is no waste. It's a zero waste, zero waste activity. It's a zero waste activity. You can worship God and nothing you do in worship is wasteful. And nothing you do for worship is wasteful. You know what would have been wasteful? If that little boy would have said, this is my lunch. We'd have never read about him. What a waste. But the world would convince you and I that if we give Jesus, amen, our little bit of worship, it's insignificant. It's not that big of a deal. In fact, they might even go to the other extreme like Judas and say, that's all the lunch you have oh, my goodness, you're going to go hungry. And they'll make it out either like it's no big deal at all that you go to church and it's just a, you know, it's just a waste of your time. You're not really doing a whole lot. Or they'll make it seem like it's such a large investment of, of energy, of time, of money, and they'll make you feel stupid for doing it. I've had friends and family do that to me. amen. But I've walked out the door. I've stepped over and passed out parents, and they called it a waste that I was going to church. But I said, this is not waste. This is worship. To you, it's a waste. To your family, it's a waste. But between me and Jesus, this is my best praise. To me and Jesus, this is my best. This is the best worship I got. I'm going to church. This is the best worship I got. I'm going to do my dance. This is the best worship I got. I'm going to live for God. You see, the devil would like to convince you that it would be a waste to give Jesus your lunch. Because he knows your lunch is about to become a buffet. This is why when people first get in, in, in church, when they first get in church, the devil likes to convince them that it's not a, that you need to get out. Do everything. He'll bring friends. You know, there's people who used to have to pay for drugs, but as soon as they get in church, their friend shows up with drugs for free. Maybe you've never experienced that. Praise God. Amen, you, start, you, you, you didn't get invited to a few parties where there's alcohol and everything like that, but the moment you get in church, all of a sudden the invites start coming. Right. Amen. You are single, 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 but then you get in church, and all of a sudden the girl starts calling you. Y'all just act like you don't know. Maybe you don't know. But let me tell you, there's people that understand what I'm talking about. Amen, and that's the devil's way of saying don't waste your time on that. Don't waste your lunch on that. Don't waste your energy on that. Mary, that oil is so much more. That's why we see talented people, that the devil convinces them that their talent would be more useful in the world. But I have yet to see one person use their talent for the world. I've seen them go out with great ideas of using their talent for the world. And then they realize uh, what was valuable as worship is not that valuable in the world. Because there's always be somebody prettier than you, more talented than you, better than you, with more connections than you. But the devil don't care about that. He just wants you to take that oil and pour it down another drain. But whatever you do, don't pour it on Jesus. Whatever you do, don't pour your life out on Jesus. Whatever you do, don't pour your energy out on Jesus. Whatever you do, don't pour your time out on Jesus. Pour your time to your job. Pour your time to your retirement. Pour your time into your hobbies. Pour your time into other things, but don't pour it on Jesus. But I love that in spite of everything, Mary's hearing this. She's listening. The Bible declares she takes that box. In fact, the box was almost as valuable as the oil. And she took that box that was solid. She didn't t- she didn't twist off a cap, brother Jonathan. She didn't just unhinge it so I could pour a little on Jesus today and a little on this tomorrow and a little on that. No, the Bible declares she took that box, amen, that alabaster box, amen, and she took it and she smashed it. She broke it to where it could never be used on anything or anybody else again. Can I help you here today? God's looking for true worshipers that are not going to just worship God today and themselves tomorrow. God's looking for somebody that's willing to say, My all for Jesus, my all for Jesus, my heart for Jesus, my life for Jesus, my worship for Jesus, my praise for Jesus, my time, my talents, my treasures. It all belongs to Jesus. Even if somebody tells you it's a waste, so be it. So be it. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be sensitive to Jesus right now. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. i got a lot of things we could talk about. Come on, it's not a waste. The devil's tricked some folks this week that you're wasting your energy in living for God. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, it sure is costing you a lot to live for God. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because we don't live based on cost. We live based on value. This is the most valuable way to spend my time. This is the most valuable thing to do with my talents. This is the most valuable thing to do with my treasures. This is the most valuable thing I could ever do in my life. Oh, come on, let's pray. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on. God's calling for worshipers in this church. Come on, the devil's telling you it's a waste. Your flesh is telling you it's a waste. I mean, your own mind's playing tricks on you, telling you you're wasting your time. But I want to tell you today, you're not wasting nothing. It's the most valuable thing you could ever do. Come on. She has done what she could. She has done what she could. She has done what she could. I mean, there's some people here today you wish you could do more, but just do what you can. Just do what you can. Even if the devil tells you it's a waste of your time, it's not that big of a deal. Amen. Just do what you can. Worship Jesus. Not one thing in this world that we do when we're in Christ is wasted because, waste, because worship is not an activity it is a lifestyle this is why Paul can write about suffering, persecuting persecution, trials Paul can write and say at the end of it all with all confidence all things work together for the good of those that love God to those that are called according to his purpose in other words God doesn't waste one bit of it If you're not living for God, you can feel like a lot of seasons of your life are wasted. But the moment you start living for God, Peter, you can feel like the denial of Jesus and your failure was a waste. That's exactly what Judas did. He thought it was a waste, so he hung himself. And guess what? Judas' story ended a lot earlier than it should have. Peter, you can feel like your failure was a waste. But even failure, when we put ourselves back in the hand of God and say, God, though I failed you, I'm still putting my life as worship back in your hands. Even your failures are not wor- not wasted with God. James said this, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, and he goes down a long list of things that it brings about. In other words, it's the trial that adds to things in your life. Peter said the trying of your faith is much more precious than gold or silver that perishes. In other words, it is the trying of your faith that even though you and I feel like it was a wasted time, A wasted season with God. It was valuable. Trials and suffering aren't wasted when you put it in God's hand. When surrender to God, it is more precious. It is more valuable. This is why every song matters. How we sing to God matters. The words we sing to God matters. The prayers that we pray are not a break in the flow of the service. Hallelujah. I know some people, well, can we just do prayers some other time? No. Because the prayers we pray in the middle of service are not just to break up the monotony of the service. It's part of our worship. Each prayer matters to God. The sermon is not a professional speech by a professional Christian because I'm not one. Amen. It's worship to the Lord. The sermon is a two-way street where we interact one with another. There's an ebb and a flow. The preaching goes out and the individual responds to what is preached and what is proclaimed. It might seem wasteful of your clap. It might seem wasteful for your amen and for your voice, but it is not waste. It is worship to the Lord. Every sentence we speak matters to God, for every idle word will be judged. Every tear that you cry to the Lord is seen and collected. It's worship unto the Lord. Your tears matter to God. Your attendance to the church matters to God. your faith in God in good times and in hard times matters to God. Your trials and tribulations, they're not a waste. They're perfecting you and they're perfecting me. Your trials matter to God. Even your mistakes and your failures, when put back in the hands of God, are not wasted. Said alabaster box that I'm breaking and saying, God... I'm not going to let the devil have my failures. I'm going to let you have my failures so you can make all things good. I'm done preaching. Would you lift up your hands? Come on, the way you live for God. The intensity, the extravagance, the seeming... It doesn't make much sense to the world. They say, does that really matter? Come on, ladies, the way you dress, does that really matter? What a waste. What a waste. What a waste. And, and you would even come and start considering it yourself. But I want to tell you, it's not a waste to God. It is worship. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? as an act of worship. When you come to this altar, you're not wasting time here. You're investing time. You're investing time. Amen, when you pour it out on Jesus, you're not wasting the oil, you're investing the oil. Even And everywhere this is preached, I want to tell you who Jesus preaches about everywhere the gospels preached. The people that worship, the people that worship, the people that break the box and pour it all out on the head and on the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody come and pray. Would you grab your family by the hand? Every time you, amen, provide for your family, sir, amen, help provide for your family, ma'am, amen, you're not wasting it, you're doing what the Bible says, amen, you are providing for your own household, you have not denied the faith, you are not worse than an infidel, you have made it up in your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord in my work, I'm going to serve the Lord in my worship, come on, Martha, when you serve God, when you serve God, when you serve God, it's not a waste. It's worship.
1: To worship you I live. To worship you I live, I live. to worship.
0: Come on. You. I'm worshiping, not wasting.
1: I'm worshiping, I'm not wasting.
0: Church, let's pray. Everything you do for God is used, everything you're doing for God right now is being used. There is no waste in God's worship kingdom, there is no waste. Let's pray all across this building. Lift up your hands. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Come on. Come on. God's calling worshipers right now. God's calling worshipers right now. Yeah, that might mean one day you're praising. That might mean one day you're praising. But that might mean the other day you're going to pray. That might mean the one day you're singing. And the other day you're ushering in the back. That might mean one day you're praising God and jumping church and that might mean the other day you're going to work to provide for your family. I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper.
1: Come on. Worship you. I live live to worship you. It's not a waste.
0: It's not a waste. I rebuke every lie of hell that
1: says it's a waste. You, it's not I a waste. Live. It's my worship to worship you